0: PM Tampa Bay. I'm Ryan Gorman. And joining me on the hotline right now, I have Dr. Susan McManus, retired USF political scientist and author of the new column for Safety Review, Are Major Changes in Florida's Politics on the Horizon. Dr. McManus, how are you today?
1: I'm well, thank you.
0: We are in the home stretch. I know it's a busy time, so thank you so much for taking a few minutes to talk to us this evening. And I I wanted to have you on. I just I felt like I had to because you got both candidates appearing here in Tampa Bay today. You've got Senator Kamala Harris coming back to the state on Saturday. You got Mayor Pete and Donald Trump Jr. They were here yesterday. It's all eyes on Florida and the I4 corridor.
1: When candidates spend this much of their precious few hours or days before an election, you know that this is a critical spot. And when they both select the same place, you know that this is a very important geography that we're all sitting in right now.
0: What is it that makes the I-4 corridor so crucial, the stretch from Orlando to the Tampa Bay area?
1: It has all of the diversity of the state, and it's 45% of all the registered voters uh, the Tampa market is the biggest media market in the state it's a ten county area it's about twenty some twenty six percent and the orlando market uh, a little bit less than that and together they make up forty five percent of all registered voters and they're very racially and ethnically diverse you have you know sizable latino populations uh, every every country of origin that we see really reflected in today's politics uh, even the um black population has grown a bit and is getting a little bit more uh some more voting republican and still not a lot but it's a it's a shift so you get racial diversity tremendous age diversity just think of it in hillsborough county alone you can if you want to see the senior vote you can go to sun city center and if you want to see the younger votes you go to usf or yeah. St. Pete College or a lot of other uh, educational institutions. And women's vote is very split in this area ideologically um, because you have the three key geographies of Florida, rural, urban, and suburban. Again, taking Hillsborough as an example, there are parts of it that are very rural, parts of it that would be considered suburban, like North uh, New Tampa and urban, a downtown area and uh, then you get the outlying counties that are really the burbs, and they're sort of the swing vote. So, of course, uh, and this is a place that sort of switches back and forth between which candidates are supported. So all of those reasons, in a nutshell, Ryan, is pretty much a microcosm of, of the state of Florida at large, and you can really look at all the pieces that have to be put together to win Florida in this I-4 corridor, and it's a fast-growing part of the state, and uh, the demographics are shifting all of the time, which we've just described, sort of. So a lot of reasons, and people here vote.
0: And the I-4 corridor, not just a, a microcosm of Florida, but in a lot of ways, and that's why people pay so much attention to Florida, you can find this state and this area as a microcosm of the country, correct?
1: Yes, yes, and we are way ahead of some patterns, demographic patterns, that are just now starting to hit other states this election. We've mm-hmm. sort of noticed them for some time, and that would be the racial and ethnic diversity and the growing clout of younger voters, which to me is one of the fascinating things about this election. When you look at the fact that 31% of our registered voters are Gen Zers and Millennials, and Among those registrants, which again are 31%, over half are non-white, reflecting the growing demographic shift and sort of ahead of where other states are. But the Census Bureau and the Bureau of Economic Business Research at the University of Florida have projected that by 2040, Florida's population will be a majority non-white. So we're seeing the shifts here in age and race and ethnicity and the intersection between the two ahead of other states in the country. But they're right behind us.
0: I'm joined by Dr. Susan McManus, retired USF political scientist who has a new column out for Safety Review. Are major changes in Florida's politics on the horizon. What Florida counties will you be keeping the closest eye on come election night?
1: Uh, I'm certainly going to look at turnout in the uh, southeast part, the, the Miami area. That would be Broward, Palm Beach, and Miami-Dade counties. In this area, of course, everyone's talking about Pinellas because it flipped last time in 2016. But I'm, I always look at margins more than who's winning mm-hmm. a county. I look at margins Uh, on a county based upon the kind of people that live there. So, for example, if you want to get a good feel for how suburban, middle-class, family-type voters are going, uh, you always look at Pasco. And if I want to look at how some of the, you know, in this area, for example, more eastern retirees, I would probably go down from eastern states to uh, the Sarasota area. So it really depends on what you're watching. But I am very interested in whether the senior vote, how much of it is going to go to Biden. That was for Trump last time. Very interested in the turnout of younger voters and how they're leaning. And obviously the Hispanic vote, which is very split, uh, and seen as a strength for Trump if you look at Cubans, Nicaraguans, Venezuelans, mm-hmm. Colombians, Hondurans uh, over the socialism issue. They're strongly anti-socialists and coalescing behind Trump versus on the other end of the I 4 corridor but also here in the Tampa area the sizable Puerto Rican vote which leans more heavily Democrat as does the Mexican-American vote. And uh, so... That schism and the growing size of Hispanics as a percent of all of our registrants, it's now up to 17%, whereas black registrants make up around 13% and Asians 2% and the rest uh, whites or biracial. So, you know, the counties that you're looking at for Hispanic voting would be Hillsborough, I'm in Manatee especially and eastern side of Polk and obviously over in Orlando and Seminole County and Orange for yeah. uh, the Puerto Rican vote so i look at all of it I' just and you know from studying florida politics when you're an analyst and you study a state you can almost look at a county and know what the configuration is and who lives there mm-hmm and sort of how they're voting and whether and I've got a big spreadsheet that shows me for election <laughs> night how many yeah. people have changed in each county, you know, and in what direction. So it's it's like putting together a puzzle. It's very exciting and it's the hardest state to campaign in, frankly, of any state that there is because of this diversity. And yet it's the most exciting year in and year out. I've been doing a lot of interviews from out of state and and some inter, uh, reporters from Canada and their typical question is always the same. What is it that makes Florida always so close? <laughs>
0: right, that and who is Florida man and why does he make news so much? Those are always <laughs> the the two big Florida that questions. too, absolutely. When it, when it comes to the senior vote, we, we know the villages in Sumter it's gonna go for Trump but will you be looking at the margins there to see if there's some erosion to Biden in that county in particular?
1: Some, but, you know, I would be more inclined to look at an area like, uh, I would say, even Sarasota area and Manatee, coastal areas, uh, the senior vote there. The Villages, of course, has become a symbol of the senior vote in Florida. Mm -hmm. And there's been a lot of attention, of course, the famous golf cart parade for Biden-Harris <laughs> that yeah. drew every reporter in the country practically there. And, and it is true that there's Democrats in the villages. There have been for years, and a lot of the candidates, Democrats, know that. They go there. They raise a lot of money. It's just that this year there was they were more emboldened to come out and um, admit that you know this this was Democratic territory too, but if you look at the overall percentage of uh, those 500 golf carts as a percent of the entire
0: mm-hmm. village's
1: area, it's still um, overwhelmingly Republican. So I don't know that that's the best place to go. I'm sure that we'll look at it, but it also is a bit difficult because it goes into three counties.
0: Right. So to
1: the vote in all of those places yeah. to get, quote, the village's vote.
0: I'm joined by Dr. Susan McManus, retired USF political scientist. When do you think we'll have a decent idea on election night as to how Florida is looking for either the Trump campaign or the Biden campaign?
1: I think it really depends on if somebody's really ahead. You'll notice that very early and probably after they start releasing the early vote plus the vote by mail, even though that can be deceiving if there's a very large rush on Election Day, which we do expect, and it's really close, then you really won't be able to know. But if it's hugely in one direction, then you'll kind of know. Um, but we still, we can't even bank on that, because you've probably already been hearing stories about people that didn't sign their vote-by-mail ballots, theirs in the thousands, or have a signature issue. Those can be remedied up to two days after the election, plus you got ten more days for votes to come in from overseas, from, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Floridians who are over there on business or in, in the universities or in the military. And so... You've got some some pots of votes that, if it's really close, they accumulate as you total them up across the state, and it could it could not yield a clear winner on the evening of the election. In fact, I think a lot of people, I just saw a great survey that showed that a huge percentage of Americans do not think that we'll know who the president is on election night. Now, maybe it won't be because of Florida, but if if Trump loses Florida, then that's going to be hard for him to win. Yeah. So, a lot of things a, to look at.
0: On election night, analysts are going to be trying to use what happens here in Florida to get a sense of how other swing states could go. Of the big swing states, Georgia, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, Ohio, are there legitimate comparisons between them and Florida or are we just, you know, a whole different ball game here?
1: I think in a lot of ways we're a whole different ball game uh, because of our diversity. Georgia, for example, is going to really a lot depend upon the turnout rate of black voters, which are a huge portion of that population, much greater than here, for example. North Carolina, some similarities probably compared to Georgia more so. Uh, Again, it's a state that's got a lot of people moving in there and bringing their politics with them. And they have a really hot Senate race, which we don't. Yeah, And then the other one's Arizona, and that state has some similarities with Florida because of this large senior population. That would be the thing that would be in a history of voting Republican, but now it's transitioning. A lot of the changes there are regarding the Hispanics and particularly younger voters' generational replacement. So there, there each of them has a piece of Florida that, might be, uh, equivalent, but none of these swing states have the diversity that we do.
0: Final question for you. I'm talking to Dr. Susan McManus, retired USF political scientist here on PM Tampa Bay. Your new column for Safety Review, which everyone can find at safetyreview.com, are major changes in Florida's politics on the horizon. You touched on a couple of them earlier, generational shifts, racial and ethnic shifts, but what about some of these other ones, the gender gap, partisan realignment things like that
1: well gender we're really watching because this is a pattern across the country that the gender gap is wider than it ever has been and so obviously if that's the case uh that helps biden because uh, in florida 40 percent of florida's registered uh, women are democrats they have an edge sort of there and But the thing that we're really mostly watching, I'm watching, is not the gender gap between men and women so much, even though that's important, because if the women's vote is really heavily moving towards Democrats, that affects party realignment in a big way. But I also look at what percent within women, within only women, split between Democrats and Republicans Because in 2016, it was 50-46. Fifty percent of women in Florida voted Hillary, but 46 voted for Trump. And that was the narrowest margin of any of the 50 states, the split between women. So the women themselves in the state were competitive. If that's not true at the end of the day here, the question will be twofold. One, is it a permanent thing, or two, is it just temporary because of women having more trouble with Trump? So two right. questions there, two different re- answers, depending on what happens.
0: And do you find—sorry, I have one more quick question for you, Dr. McManus. Mm-hmm. Do you find that because Trump is so unique, it may be hard to put forth you know, big-picture, long-term takeaways from the results— of this upcoming election?
1: I do find that. But on the other hand, the demographics of Florida are trending in the way that we talked about in that piece. And that uh, makes some of these questions more likely, but not definitively so, at least in the short term. But this was sort of a long-term look at what might happen, Mm -hmm. you know, four years down the way. Some of it we're already seeing now. But I think Florida is looked at in a lot of ways as, again, being indicative of the nation's changing population makeup. You have generational replacement. You have these patterns in how women and men are are different in their voting. You have ideological differences even within uh, various groups. And you're starting to see the splintering of racial and ethnic groups that were once very heavily one party, you're starting to see a shattering of the uh, support for one, one party and only one party by these groups. And I think that that's very interesting. To me, the, the biggest push of all of this is generational replacement. As older people mm-hmm. pass on the glory, the ones behind them are very different, and the issues that push them, activism, how you reach them. Uh, I think one of the things that's really interesting is how much money was spent on TV ads here versus social media and how how yeah. much more was spent on TV when in reality it's this younger third third uh, 30% that could really tip the election heavily in one direction or another, but you can't reach them through TV ads at all. And yet they've decided to keep spending three times as much on TV ads as social media.
0: Dr. Susan McManus, retired USF political scientist, her new column is out for Safety Review. Our major changes in Florida's politics on the horizon, again you can find that at safeyreview.com. Dr. McManus, uh, I'll finally let you go and get some rest. Thank you so much for joining me on an, another crazy day and I'm sure I'll be talking to you again real soon.
1: Uh, no rest till after the election, you know that, Ryan. But it's, it's, <laughs> no, I, I do. I, know I love politics. It's my—I really enjoy it. So it's really a, a labor of love.
0: Yeah, same Thank here. You. Although I'm looking forward to the nap after the election. I'm—I'm I'm certainly <laughs> waiting for that. All right. Yes. Thanks again, Doctor McManus. You're welcome. Talk to you Bye-bye. again soon.
1: With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to—has anyone seen the bride and groom?
0: Sorry.